Hey guys, and welcome to Limitless Callings. This is your favorite host and tour guide, Nyung Nyung Win here, and I am so grateful and excited that you are joining me on another virtual journey around the world as we learn, embrace, and tackle topics that are good for the mind, body, and soul. Hell yeah! So buckle up, buttercups, time for takeoff. Hey, Chris, how are you going? How's Los Angeles this morning? <laughs> I know it's fantastic. Thank you uh, for making this happen, reaching out. And uh, I know it's been a few months, actually, you've been after me. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh my God, I need to get a hold of Chris because like I've mentioned, I've been following you for quite some time and with the daily messages and the messages you put on, you know, throughout 2020 it has really helped impacted my, my mood and, you know, really brought some light to me as well. So I was like, got to talk to this guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So Los Angeles, how long have you been living here? And like, what are your favorite spots to go to? Yeah, LA. I mean, LA has something to offer for everyone. I've been here for 26 years. Oh, right. I came here for college and never left. And I had traveled extensively previously to that all over the world. And I really fell in love with the place. It took a while because the details, the nuances is where the, the fun and the pretty and the engaging things are to be found. At, at the surface, if you first land, it's, you know, it's a city. But when you go in, into the neighborhoods and to the different areas and you realize there's so much more. In fact, there's everything. LA area has everything to offer. There's the city itself. But the, all the surrounding areas, it's sprawling. It's uh, everything from obviously the beach. We've all heard of you know, Venice Beach and yeah. Beach and all the wonderful beaches. There's so many different beaches. And each one has their own flavor and old character. If you want to surf, if you just want to sunbathe, if you want to fly a kite. I mean, this is everything's there or just take walks. But then you have the mountainous regions. So everything within driving distance uh, that I'm about to describe. So you, you can go ahead into the mountains during the summer, especially if you like mountain biking or just hiking. They're all around as, as close as the Topanga Canyons, which are all within minutes, larger mountain ranges uh, around Big Bear and Mammoth. And in the winter, Mammoth turns into you know, a world-class ski resort. So that's within reach. And then you have the desert uh, cities and the desert areas from Palm Springs and Palm Desert and Coachella's out there. And I spend a lot of time out there. And it's, uh, it's just something for everyone. No, it sounds so diverse, you know, but obviously from Australia, I'm so far from everything, you know. The reason why I made it all the way out here is because I want to explore this side of the world. And, and through my travels, I met a lot of like friends from America. LA, I've never actually thought about it, but you know, with you introducing all these diversity, I'm like, oh my God, now I'm curious. I want to know. <laughs> well, it's diverse for sure. I mean, uh, and, and you can, every day is different and that's really kind of the vibe. And if you like your routines and, and just kind of have everything be in its place and predictable, it may not be the right place for you. But if you love waking up and letting the day unfold, it can be magical. No, that's amazing. And you did mention that you traveled quite a lot as well. So I know as a traveler, you know, when people ask you, what is your most favorite place in the world? Like I got to ask them, what is your favorite destination that you've been to? Hands down, Bali. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's uh, especially if you're into, you know, some of the subjects will, topics we'll be talking about uh, it's just a really wonderful place everyone there is on a journey and is seeking and is open-minded and it's just a really wonderful place and, and it has other parts you know, scuba diving and oceans and, and fishing and oh. marine biology and, and really wonderful and, and partying if you're into that it's all there <laughs> it's of course of, of course uh, exactly. you know we do have a reputation you know australians uh, have the party reputation there but um i gotta say when i visited bali last year for the first time 
I love Ubud. I'm, I'm guessing that was your favorite place too? Or? Favorite place as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get away from the yoga barn and all the different yoga studios and, cool. and meditation teachers and, and just the, the vibe, the energy. It's kind of like New York City that has a, a buzz, but it's in that kind of spiritual and... and, and Very much, yeah. So I highly recommend it. In fact, a lot of Australians... It's just a hop, skip, and a jump for you, for you guys. Oh, uh, it's think a about a- it. Like for Americans, um, I guess Hawaii is like that, you know, relaxing, beachy kind of resort place for them. Uh, I guess Australia, that is like the Hawaii equivalent, you know. That's how I think about it. But fun fact, I don't know if I told you last time, I moved to Vancouver is because I fell in love with Hawaii. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I went there three years ago with my best friend. I don't know. It was kind of like a, a special moment where I just have this realization, well, the world is so big. I should move here. Obviously, you need to either find a job or a Hawaiian husband to move there. And obviously, you didn't find it either. <laughs> so I Google mapped how far Hawaii is going to be from Canada because it's easier for Australians to apply for the visa here. So that's why I'm in Vancouver right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you made it happen. You know, the things you told me on our last call is really amazing in, in your own journey. And there's a calling there, right, that presents itself. And sometimes we act on it, sometimes we don't. Uh, in your case, you know, you, you didn't linger long. You just you went forward. And that takes courage. It takes guts, especially earlier in life. It's hard to, you know, there's so many different outside voices telling you what to do. And yeah. how do you listen to your inner voice and to do what's right for you? I know, Chris. And like, it's an internal struggle. Let's hear about your journey. So you've been a psychologist kind of researcher for quite some time. And is it find your spirituality? And that's why you went on this path? Yeah, you know, everything we do in life, it comes together. Everything informs the, the next thing. So we never do anything that's for nothing. Mm. Uh, even, even when we feel like we're kind of a dead end job or things are stale and not moving. It's, with, a, with a few years, extra years, you, you realize that everything has its purpose. And uh, I was, yes, I was a design psychology researcher and for over 20 years and user experience design, design thinking instructor and, and teacher. And, and everything's prepared me ultimately. So I had the application of those skills for the marketplace. It wasn't until the last five years or so that I really turned that inward and applied it to questions I had that, you know, that I've always had, but that weren't central to my life. And that suddenly became so very important to, to find answers. Part of the frustration of not finding answers really was motivated the book. And BU is written, there's really two principles that, that motivated it. It was one, the, the language I was encountering in all the other literature and videos and uh, a lot of the kind of the, the spiritual talk, it presented a barrier to me, I felt. Some of it even, you know, can be off-putting to someone. If it, There's wisdom behind all of it. All of it is genuine and, and real and, and Ultimately, we're all pulling from the same truth. But uh, the language was getting in the way for me to assimilate it. The big motivation was to write something in, in pedestrian Everson's uh, speak so that the language wouldn't get in the way of the wisdom. And then the second piece was uh, discoverability, which is a little more directly related to you know, my, my background of creating meaningful and, and joyful experiences for, for audiences and users. And, and, and that was to make things discoverable. You know, I was frustrated by, by not finding, you know, where do I look? What keywords, literally, how, you know, read, you know, books to find passage that applied to me or, or watch an hour long video to just for a few sentences that applied to me. And so I felt like there's some improvement could be made there in allowing people to jump to the topics and discover the topics that were meaningful and, and that mattered to them at, at that particular point in life. And so BU has all these chapters in more of a glossary 
style structure. And, and so you can look up whatever's on your mind and, and your heart. That's amazing, you know, to be able to, I guess, accumulate all these wisdoms and research over the years to make something that's universally connectable for people. And would you say that you had an awakening? You know, I hear this term so much, especially throughout like 2020, because uh, like I told you in our last conversation, I think it was, has been a year of healing and really getting back in tune with my spirituality. The way I interpret spirituality is so different now. It's not like, you know, obviously hippies or like, you know, yoga and stuff of that. It's actually more of like uplifting one spirit. That's how I see it. Would you say that maybe five years ago was that awakening for you or like, you know, what was your experience with that? Yeah, yeah certainly. And, and again, the, the word spiritual for a lot of people, that's already a barrier, right? It, it, yes. it represents something, a concept, and they may not be comfortable with. And so these just simple words, but they can create some, some uh, friction. And uh, it was certainly, uh, you know, even the word awakening or enlightenment, all these things. So there's no word, the word spiritual or awakening doesn't show up in the book once or, or universe or on any of that stuff. Because uh, there's just a, a certain uh, existing concept that, that might get in the way of the meaning of the word. So deeper concept behind them. For the sake of, of discussion, you, you could call it an, an awakening. You know, many people talk about having, you know, often they hit rock bottom or, or some kind of dramatic event in, in life. And really that's how most of our growth happens is get comfortable in our routines and, uh, and our expectations set in. And then something jarring has to happen for us to let go of, of those expectations and, and push us out of our comfort zones. Right. So that didn't really happen to me so much. Uh, it, it was more just uh, energetically or however else you want to describe it. You know, I was starting to teach at the continuing education level and, and I was starting to give back in general in, in my life. I just reached that stage. And uh, so I think along with that, just this, this sentiment of shifting out of my you know, head space and, and more into my heart space, it just naturally happened. There was a, a, a rapid acceleration, if you want to call it that. Uh, I don't know what caused it. It just happened. It's your calling. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you last time when we re I reached out to you, like, why is it important to be you? You know, and that's the concept you book, the title of your book, like, why is it important? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's ultimately our, our life journey consists of first becoming aware of, of the voices that are not our own. So we, we get just, it's natural in, in the course of growing up. There's our parents' voices, our, our peers, our, our teachers, our society, media, we're just bombarded with you should be this, you should do that, you're good at this and pursue this and social prestige and, and so on and so on. And, and we're just little beings, you know, forming brains. And uh, so all, all of these layers of outside voices, they consume us. And before, by the time we come of age, we don't even remember our own voice. And there's very little in life, maybe if you have particularly enlightened parents or, or some kind of environment that nurtures that inner voice. But in, in the regular course of, of the, the social uh, structures that exist currently, that is never, uh, we're never taught the tools to go within, look within, process our feelings. That's, you know, that's kind of, it's not part of the, the, the normal upbringing at this, at this point in time. Not at all. And that's the thing, like, I felt like, you know, I didn't have a core identity, you know, and everything that grows, everything that, you know, comes strong, you need to have a strong foundation or a strong core. And that's what I realized last year. I was like, oh my God, I sometimes I felt so anxious, like internally, and I didn't know why. And a lot of like the upbringing I was telling you about, you know, with um, Asian 
communities or family when growing up, you know, you didn't talk about things or feelings because even bringing up mental health or bringing up something that you want to speak about is being disrespectful to your parents, you know? And I was like, oh my God, so what, why do I have to bring it up or I'll just brush it under the rug? And like I said, my parents went through a divorce, that quite a messy divorce when me and my brother were younger. So a lot of that pent up anger and resentment built up. And what I did was I created kind of like external identity to protect myself. And it's not me being fake. It's just me having an external kind of shell to be able to go through life. And doing that inner work or, you know, being open to, let's say, uh, feeling the feelings was not a thing. So over time, I realized that it became more of like imbalance in terms of like how I projected my emotions and feelings, or I might see more of like a cold hearted person, but I just didn't know how to express myself. Like what you brought up, but you know, being aware and doing the inner work has definitely released a lot of that last year. And um, yeah, I was just speaking to my brother a few days ago and he's like, completely different to me. Like, you know, I'm very extroverted. I like to go out, be active and just like be out friends and social to deal with things. But for him, he was more introverted growing up. So for him, uh, he was able to cry it out, process the things. So I was like, wow, how come I never got into that? Like crying was not an option for me. Like I just felt like, no, it was seen as a weakness basically. Yeah. Many, many, you know, one of my posts is tears are your friends, right? But there's so many taboos, especially it's interesting to hear because especially for for guys, it's it's hard to, you know, they're, they're told to keep in those tears and the emotions and mm. not let it flow. Um, so you have an interesting uh, inverse situation yeah. there. But yeah, ultimately, and, and uh, you know, you were, your upbringing contained the, the clash of, of the Eastern and, and mindset and then some, some Western mixed in. And, and so that probably brought, you know, just the contrast uh, of, of what it doesn't have to be one way or it doesn't have to be another way to the forefront had to confront them sooner in life than, than, than many others. Yeah, well, that's good. I was like, I wish I, I was open to it or I kind of had like the tools of the guidance, you know, and I think coming from a smaller city and community where you don't know anyone that's going through the same thing, it just makes it harder. Like um, you feel a bit like an outlier and an outcast. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but like, you know, uh, when, you know, the divorce and everything was growing, uh, when I was growing up, like I had a friend who her parents told her not to hang out with me anymore because my parents were broken, family's broken. So I think that kind of caused a bit of that fear to be able to just let things out or show the weakness. So I think that's, um, you know, something that's it, where it stemmed from. Of course. And, and, and these things happen when, you know, often it comes from well-meaning places. Uh, you know, parents say something or a teacher says something and maybe it's just, you know, jokingly or whatever the reason we, you know, it affects us and we carry it with us and, and uh, you know, no one taught us to process it out. And so then it starts to build and become something bigger. But, you know, therein lies the, the, the big shift really is to recognize that whenever we feel triggered, that's an opportunity to, to look within. Right? The, the initial reaction is, you know, don't trigger me, try to change your environment, blame other people. But ultimately, once you get to a place where like, well, I wouldn't feel triggered if I didn't have some kind of wound inside, some kind of internal healing that, that needs to happen. So uh, once we turn around that mindset and realize, okay, I feel triggered, I'm going to now sit with this, go try to avoid conflict in the situation as best as possible and stay out of reactivity, but then sit with that fe- feeling of, of like, why do I feel triggered? And that is your line straight to where you need to heal. And yeah. that's ultimately feeling triggered is the best way to grow and, and the 
your main GPS really is like, well, where do I need to heal? Well, <laughs> you're being triggered all day long. So those are the areas. Otherwise, you wouldn't even react if, uh, if there wasn't something in you responding. Yeah, that is very true. Well, I came up with a creative analogy recently <laughs> that I've been telling my friends. I don't know if you remember the movie, like the Furby, the Furby movies where like when it gets chewed by water, it turns to a gremlin. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Gremlins, I got it. So basically, externally and everything like that, I'm like the cute fairy on the outside. I look like I got it together all the time. The water is like, you know, life triggers, you know. And back then, if it, I got triggered by water, I'll turn to a gremlin. You know, that's the reactive yeah. <laughs> um, kind of like um, behavior. But, you know, by recognizing that the water is the trigger, you know, I, was able to, I am now able to maintain a cute furby. So <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> beautiful. I love that. Yeah, you know, coming out of reactivity is, is the key. Uh, yeah. As long as we, we keep reacting, keep reacting, the, the, the same neural pathways in the brain are, you know, they keep being irritated and, and, and inflamed. And so we never come out of reactivity. And, and as long as we're reactive, you can't really look within. And so there's many different exercises and everything can be rewired and undone. You just have to take the time. So that's where, you know, having a daily practice of self-care comes in. That's definitely. And what would you just suggest is like a good practice or method for, let's say, calming these inner critics, you know, this inner voice that people might be going through? Well, there's many, many different ways and everyone should do research and try things out. There's so many flavors to choose from. And some may resonate with you at one point in life and and not at at another, or they work now and then they kind of just lose their effectiveness. And then you keep seeking and, and, and finding something new that works for you. So the, the general seeker mindset is, is important to have, uh, but there's guaranteed something that you, you can find. I call it, in the book, I call it thought awareness. Most of our reactivity comes when we identify, when we're completely glued, identified with our thoughts. Oh, yeah. Thought pops up and you just believe it. You're in it. You're, you react to it. Yeah. Like you're just glued to it. And to create a gap there, a sense of, of perspective on the thought that you are not your thoughts, a simple exercise, uh, many of the breath kind of breath work and breath meditations have the same effect, essentially. When you focus on your breath, you know, eyes and mouth closed, and, and I just kind of, for a few minutes, uh, observe the breath coming in out of my nose, you'll immediately feel thoughts pulling your attention away. Yeah. Here it goes again. Here comes a thought and pulls me away. And, and so every time you notice that, you're not your thought anymore. It may, it may take you away for 5, 10, sometimes even 20 minutes. You may just be yeah. lost in thought, right? Uh, this happens to us all day long. I mean, I'm not here to quote science, but some people say, you know, we spend 80, 85% of our, our day lost in thought. But the moment you, you know, you know, you come out of it, it's like, yeah. oh, I was just lost and I'm back. You know, I was here the entire time, but I was, wasn't really here emotionally, mentally. So yeah. noticing when you come out of that, the lost in thought state, that strengthens your muscle oh. to stay independent of, of, your, of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you don't get lost into them as often, as long. And the more you practice this thought awareness, the, the more you can stay, you know, disidentified from your thoughts. And so, so much of our stress, so much of our reactivity comes from believing our thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so then when the thought appears, you can observe it better. You know, there's still things that are going to get us. It's, it's a lifelong, you know, practice. But you can notice there's a thought. I don't have to believe it. I don't have to follow it. I don't have to react to it. And you just allow it to be. And by allowing it to be, 
it actually, it, it, it leaves. Thoughts come and go, feelings come and go. Yeah. It's only when we, when we hang on to the ones we like and when we resist the ones we don't like, that's what gets them stuck. And that's what creates most of our, our stress and our problems. That is very true. And it's like practicing mindfulness. I have actually got into meditation last year as well. Like I've always been very energetic. I just can't sit still. And yoga was horrible for me. I would fall asleep in the back of the class because I was like, no, it's too calm. But what you suggested as well, like having that ability to practice the breathing exercises, it has really helped me a lot with the overcoming my overthinking problem, carrying that illusion for me where I just think too much too far ahead, where it's something that hasn't happened yet, you know, and I think a lot of my stress will trying to keep up to the expectations of, you know, parents or of social society, you know, was caused from a lot of that. And another thing that I have done as well is like when I feel like I guess my head is racing away so long. I'd be like, attention here and now. And be like, oh, come back. That's really important that you bring that up because, you know, we're, we're primed to, to, to view and, and experience life through our head, through our head mm-hmm. space. The education system, uh, grades, feeling judged. We're conditioned to work towards the next goal. And then we're also conditioned to expect happiness to come once we achieve something. That's right. So then we're never really present. We're always living for the, a future moment in time that never comes because we're always in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can tell when you feeling that way and mm-hmm. that anxiety that comes over you, that, that you're, you're in your head because the head, is, it's a tool and it needs to know. It's, it's the nature of the mind. It wants to know. It wants to plan ahead. So yeah. we can't even take a shower without thinking, you know, what, what are we going to do when we get out of the shower? What's next? What's next? <laughs> always taking you out of the present moment and into some future uh, moment. And that's where all, that's where fear lives. So yeah, it's just simple exercises, a few minutes a day. And then if you like it, you can do more or do some research. If, like you said, it took me years to, to really start enjoying meditation. So it might, that might not be your thing, but there's sound therapy, there's uh, inner child, there's uh, art therapy. There's just even simple uh, routines like walking and, you know, e- essence and food. Uh, you can get into food and, and, and really find find peace within that and greater awareness. I mean, there's so much we can, we can do to, to strengthen mindfulness, mindful living. No, that's a good like, thing to bring up because um, meditation is, uh, I guess there's so many different kind of like um, methods in different ways because I didn't realize this, but I used to just go to do like 10K beach runs back at home. I don't know if you know much about Adelaide where I'm from. I, I don't, but it sounds wonderful. Keep, it's keep good. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful beaches. It's a smaller city compared to the rest of Australia, but uh, we're known to be a city of churches and festivals and wineries. So if you love your wine, yeah, you have to come visit Adelaide. But yeah, I only live like 30 minutes drive from the bay. And uh, what I realized back then, because I didn't know how to process a lot of my emotions and the stress I was going through, meditation for me was the long beach runs, just in there and I would just zone out. And that was really helpful in a way because I needed to release the energy at the same time while just be by myself. This year, I'm trying to balance that out because I'm like, I can be active, but then I need to also learn how to be still as well. Yeah, that's great. And and moving is is really core to getting the energy moving. And those stuck feelings that we were talking about, they, you can meditate and and breathe and, and kind of be in your body, but it's not until you, you move that, you know, it's a combination of movement and stillness, like you said, doing too much moving or not even moving, sitting. <laughs> but both, both of those need to be absolutely pronounced. And going into nature is huge. Being surrounded by that stillness and that, that peace uh, is, is 
is super important. Definitely the environment. Hey, you did mention like inner child healing. What is that? I've never heard of it before. Right. Uh, so again, you can you know research these things and find more information and see if it resonates. But uh, it's essentially uh, it's basically reparenting yourself. Maybe your parents said something silly or stupid that you, you remember being a certain age and that hurt you. Probably didn't do it on, on purpose, but it's just how you perceived it at that moment in time. And it's important to to come out of the blame mindset and. and, and yeah. Forgiveness is really just is about uh, allowing yourself to heal and it's not letting people, other people off the hook for what they've done. It's basically being the aware, mindful adult that you are today that you can go back and that, that hurt inner child is still there. It's inside of you, that wound from that moment in time. And so you basically become the, the loving and caring parent that maybe all you needed was a hug. Uh, maybe all you needed was to to feel heard at that moment and you didn't get it. Well, you can you can be that parent to yourself, to your inner child now at a later time. And, and so a lot of great healing can come from that. Wow. So it's like like role-playing where you sort of like, you know, Jung, you're okay. You, know, and like you can describe it as that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I haven't really heard of that yeah, method before. Yeah, I, I don't know if I mentioned last time to you, but I did try hypnotherapy last year and i tried emotional coding i was like why not open to it and yeah i did tarot reading as well (laughs) yes everything (laughs) you know and even myself i've had uh, different levels of resistance to many of those things that that's just mental emotional resistance that's the conditioned layers of, of like right and wrong that's the judging mind when you practice coming out of that mind uh, more and more you become open to at least trying these things there's nothing wrong with trying if you don't like it if it doesn't resonate you don't have to do it nobody's forcing you yeah. but at least you know start getting into this this uh this flow of, of discovery and self-discovery and then feeling what what you know how you 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 lighten up life suddenly doesn't seem so complicated there's a path that unfolds itself all on its own and you don't have to figure out your life but ahead of living, actually living it, right? So this, this starts to build this, this momentum of positive momentum and, and, and core. You mentioned the word core before, where you have a foundation in yourself. And so you stop shifting from the external view that we're so ingrained to live by. And you become more internal. And, and then you don't need to compare yourself anymore. Then you don't need to say, these people are right. These people are wrong. I'm, I'm right. You're wrong. And, and so that whole comparison falls away because you recognize that your truth is your truth. The next person's truth is their truth. You, you don't need them to be different for you to feel right and for you to feel good about yourself. That's the thing. Like, it took me a while to kind of understand that. For me, I used to be so angry like you know my parents are like oh my mom especially it was like why couldn't she see or view things my way why she keep hurting me but then I didn't realize that maybe her values or the thing that she saw was right was different to mine so when I actually learned to accept that I kind of like broke away a bit of that pressure I'm like okay I can't compare what I think or my values compared to someone else because Sometimes it's not the same, and you're lucky if you do find your your soul um, mate or you know someone that really resonates with you. Yeah, I think a lot of the unhappiness was you know being very egotistic in a way like it has to be my way, like you know, or having that like you know why are you doing this to me rather than just be like I want to do this because I I just want to do it, you know. And yeah, like breaking away from that was hard, but it, it took a while. That's why I find it so interesting. Like when I was finally okay to be alone and sit alone and be still, I'm like, man. 
I'm actually have a lot of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. We all contain. I mean, we have every cell contains you know incredible wisdom, and, and we all share that. There's no no one is less wise than the other. It's just yeah. how much are we you know blocking ourselves from mm. from feeling and experiencing that, and just allowing that flow of, of wisdom to enter our lives. It's all the beliefs that that are blocking us from it. That that we believe something is better than than another. Yeah. You mentioned a really key word there, loneliness, which kind of has a negative, you know, yep. connotation. But it's you know aloneness. It's it's being with yourself. There's a whole chapter dedicated to loneliness or me time, which mm-hmm. is a way to, to phrase it uh, in the book, and, and and really kind of breaks breaks open the, the the social stigma. I remember a few years ago, I was usually always the type of guy who wouldn't go out without meeting somebody, mm-hmm. and I first. Uh, I uh, went out, uh, you know, only a few years ago to to eat on my own, for example, mm-hmm. go to a restaurant and just sit at the counter and myself. And I remember that the discomfort I was experiencing this. I was like, why am, why am I feel? Are people looking at me? And you think I'm weird? I'm like, where did all of this come from? And it's so on your mind. It's all in your mind. You're trained with it, and and so you know, taking time to be to learn to be uh, comfortable on your own. And, you know, there's a certain measure where we need human contact for sure, but it's far less than where for the, for the most part, we use socializing as a, as a, a distraction yeah. from learning to be comfortable with ourselves. That is so true. And you know what? When I was back at home, I would say that I would fear being alone. Every single day I finish work, I'll be like, hey, to like one of my friends, let's go out eat, let's go out eat. And it became like a a habit, you know, I just couldn't bear by being alone. What backpacking really helped me, you know, realize when I did it solo was that you are put in situations where some days you have to, you know, hang out by yourself, like go out, eat somewhere by yourself. And it was very comforting to just be like, I just want to read a book and sit here by myself on the beach, you know, but like you, you know, that discomfort at first was just like, oh man, people might think I'm a loser and some of that. But Oh, like you feel like the um, I don't satisfaction of like, oh, this is very peaceful. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's beautiful, and again, you know, the media. Where do we ever see uh, you know people having a good time by themselves? It's just yeah. we, we're not we don't see those images. Uh, it's always groups and people doing things together. Relationships is a similar thing. So there needs to be just as much space. And, and stillness in relationships as well. It's not just being, you know, joined at the hip. It, it sounds romantic and it's great. It can be great, but there still needs to be time. You can be that, but yeah. you can, you, you still need time apart. It's, as I say in the book, the, it's good to miss each other sometimes. Yes. There's something, something really important happens there. And that's still time because everything we're talking about is, is very much a personal journey. Mm-hmm. Share that with somebody. But if you're just with the other person, if you're always talking and, and never even doing things together in stillness, because you can be together in, in a room yeah. uh, and be still. You, you, it's not like you have to spend physical space time apart. But, uh, you know, having the the, uh, the ability to, to talk to one another and, and say we're not going to just be doing everything together, talking to one another, engaging all the time is really important. Even at a very simple level, you, you you don't know how much somebody means to you un, until you kind of miss them a little bit. So where that gauge of enough me time and, and enough uh, together time is, you have to you know stay in tune with that. And, and so if you're always glued together, you you may get too close together and then, then you lose the spark and you lose the appreciation. And so it's important to, to spend time just as a gauge. You'll know right away, yep, too much time apart. <laughs> 
good. Come back together a little closer, but that way you stay healthy. Yes. And I think like, you know, relating back to what you were just speaking about, it's about that come back to the identity thing. I feel like if, you know, you're in a relationship, you need to have your own identity. Speaking from my experience with relationship in the past, like being with someone so much all the time, I felt like I was molding into them. I mean, I don't know. I think it's some people do enjoy that. But for me, being someone who's so independent and so active, I need to have me time and have my own identity. Like I don't want to be known as so-and-so's girlfriend all the time. I want to be known as Nyung, this person. And yeah, she has a partner. So I, I, I don't know. I think that's probably why it did work out, you know, because we want different things. <laughs> but um, it's just coming back to that, having that self, you know. And I feel like for me, and maybe for a lot of people, it's very important you know, even if you're in a relationship or anything like that, do you have that identity still? And, and there's degrees to everything, you know, uh, the, this whole topic of self-discovery. You know, there's a, it's a question of degrees. Everyone is on their journey. Everyone is on the path of self-discovery. It's, this is, that's what living is. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. As, mm. as soon as things get too comfortable or too routine, uh, we start to get antsy. And, and if life doesn't change on its own, most of the time it does. Uh, we don't even have to try. But even when it doesn't, we then become the change maker just to change things up because it doesn't feel right to just have a completely predictable life. But so then degrees of identity are also in place. There, you know, an identity is a, is a collection of beliefs. We're going a little deeper here. And a lot of those beliefs are, you know, again, the conditioned thinking. These beliefs is through which we react to the world is that we, we agree with and we see things we don't agree with. And it's a reflection of your identity. That's the container of, of reactivity. So looking at the triggers again and, and recognizing, well, the, the, I feel upset because I carry a certain belief about something. Mm. And then allowing that belief to be, you don't have to say it's bad or, or, or res, you know, resist it. That only keeps it stuck. But uh, just observe it. It's really very simple. You just observe it and it, it dissolves. And suddenly yeah. this belief that, that you need to defend yourself against somebody or a certain other belief, it, it just leaves you. And so obviously there's still some identity left at the end of the day. I mean, we can't completely, you know, evaporate, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's a lot less than, than, you know, that really our life journey is to remove those layers of identity so that, and as we do, we realize we're not this, you know, isolated single organism. I'm one, you're one, and, and, and you know, your friends are one, other people are, we're not all separate as, as our personal identity relaxes. Yeah. We recognize and we become more connected with the whole. And, we, we, you know, at some point we realize we're all just one. Do you know what? That's a really good way to put it. Because I was just like, hmm, you know, for so long, it was like I, I felt lost and everything like that. I've been finding myself. But, you know, now I realize you'll never find yourself because yourself is always changing. No, that's a really good way of putting it. You know, like it's just too much pressure of having an identity when you just cut it, like you said, you know, just relax and just let things connect and flow which makes more sense. Yeah. And we just never really get a chance to relax, right? We're, we're always, again, like chasing the next thing, chasing our happiness. And there are very few opportunities in, in modern life to take that break. And coming back to what you said in the beginning, uh, this year has, or last year has been a, has been a break in that regard for, for many, many people that we were in the rat race before and, and never really had a, a kind of a quiet moment for reflection. And years go by in that state and decades even. And so this has been a, an opportunity, certainly, along with many difficulties. But uh, it's been an opportunity to turn within uh, and, and, and take some time that, that we haven't had before in, in a long time, if ever, for, for many. 
Yeah, that is absolutely right. And in a way, you know, even though it's been quite sad and I lost a lot of things and, you know, I really felt like I've gained a lot also internally and that's huge. And for me, I never thought that I would reach that kind of like stage at all because I wasn't aware of it, you know. Like I said, coming back to you, like being in denial that there was an issue in the first place. It's been interesting. The one thing I miss the most is obviously the traveling, you know, the external kind of exploration, but the internal in exploration has been an interesting journey also. Another analogy. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Love it. There's a, uh, there's a bigger picture to everything. When we get caught up in the, in the little picture, it, it often things seem detrimental. I mean, you started out asking, you know, what was at least, in, you know, how my life ensued to get to this point and, you know, one of the, the core lessons has been that uh, when we look outside of that, you know, reactivity is immediate. You're, you're in, that, in that situation, you're in, embroiled with it, and you're not looking even a minute beyond what's happening right now. You're just reactive. You're reacting to the other person who upset you or whatever it is, the situation. And so there's, there's zero perspective when we're in reactivity. But even just a minute in fact, uh, in, in, you know, in my, uh, my workshops, I, I talk about the three-second rule. When we're listening to somebody, uh, you may have heard it in other contexts, uh, being a good listener and being a mirror, a reflection for the other person to feel heard. If you give them just three seconds after they're seemingly done speaking and just not say anything in response and just be still, don't, don't give away that you're, you want to jump in or anything, just allow that, that little stillness again of a few seconds so much magic happens in, in that little gap. Uh, so it doesn't take much. All the, you know, so many times, I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced this, people come to us with, a, with a, a question or a dilemma or they're upset or something. And vast majority of the times, they just want to feel heard. Hmm. They're not actually, they don't want an answer from you. They don't want to be analyzed. <laughs> they yeah. don't even want advice, which sometimes that's tricky, especially in relationships when they come to you and they say they want advice and they really, they don't. <laughs> they just want to feel heard, but okay, that's, that's fine. So uh, even a few seconds of stillness there is there's something happens. It's like you hear yourself instead of the other person jumping in and, and telling you what to do. And then you might get defensive, all that. There's stillness and whatever you just express your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your trauma, whatever it is, in that space, healing happens. It's, it's quite magical. Wow, that's a really good concept. Oh, man, I got it. Well, it's making me think now because I'm such a chatterbox. You know, yeah. I'm trying to, maybe I should give people a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. Right. Is this like a, a known research or like have you, it was more of like a self-discovery uh, that you've kind of realized over time, you know, doing that three-second stillness to give people that time and space. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, the, the, the three second rule, two second rule, so other people have different, uh, that's been around for a long, long time. And I haven't looked at necessarily if, if, you know, has there been a scientific study for it? Uh, when something works, I don't feel the need to then have to look up some kind of number or study or something. Uh, it works, it works. And I, I don't question it you know, because of that. And, and many times that's what gets you back into your head. You know, there's a place for the mind. It, it has its purpose. But like I said earlier, it's a tool. And it's a tool that we use. It's the, the mind doesn't know you. It, it doesn't care. It's not the source of your wisdom. Your inner voice is. And, is and, your inner voice your heart? Or how would you describe that? <laughs> yeah, people. So I've heard, you know, is it, is it your heart? Is, is it your, you know, is it your gut? Is it your instinct? Is it your just uh, intuition or your, your higher self, your inner divinity? You can, whatever you want to call it. 
It, it could be all those things, but it is a voice. That's the nature of it. You, it, it speaks to you without getting caught up on what is it exactly. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, there's, there's something there that, that tells you who you are. It tells you who you are every moment of the day. Every situation, uh, there's an opportunity to, to be you, to listen to yourself, or to go without those outside voices. So when those outside voices are so overwhelming and, and so loud, there's so much noise in your head, that's why we talk about self-care practice and the breathing and the meditation and, and, or even just walking in, in nature, uh, just because you can feel that right away. You go for a long walk after you've been upset and you come out of, come back and you're, or you're calm. You're, there's a certain, certain peace. Even just taking a shower, it will change your perspective if you're upset about something and, and yeah. stepping back out. It's, it's, it's just calming the mind because it's just, it's always irritated and inflamed and, and, and being re-triggered by our reactivity. So once we come out of that, then uh, everything starts to flow. We, we start to, you know, not have to like be fearful about the future. We don't have to think we have to plan everything out. You can look at what you need to, you know, maybe some bullets if, to prepare for something. But what really naturally comes out, this talk between us is completely unscripted. We, we discuss nothing. I know. I like that, you know. I quickly agreed. Like, you know, we don't want to plan ahead because yeah, yeah. it becomes, you can, you can tell right away if you have a, had a teacher or even been to a presentation where the, the speaker reads from notes mm-hmm. uh, and they're looking down or, or, or the, you can tell how they're reciting from their mind or something. It just dulls the whole experience. Oh. But when they're fresh and they're flowing and they're talking, which I hope we're doing right now, <laughs> And uh, it feels like it, it does. Uh, and, and so it feels great for us as well. But that, that joy and that enthusiasm comes across to the audience as well. And they pick that up and they discover that within themselves. All, everything just gets better from, from being you. And I think it's like, yeah, the authenticity. I think that that's what I really learned to appreciate, you know, like through my, um, my growth and everything. And especially with the backpacking period that I went through, it taught me a lot of that because I didn't plan anything. I just went with the... And if I felt like going to another country, then it's time to go. And the interactions that I made along the way was so pure and so beautiful because I do believe that things do happen for a reason. And during that time when I was going through something, I kept meeting people that I really resonated with and having these deep topics and conversations that I, let's say, were too uncomfortable to talk about at home. Yeah, just learning to flow a bit better. But, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I need to have some structure again, you know, like... Does it come back to having balance then? Or like what, what is your input on that? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, if you feel, again, it's, uh, it's not for me to tell anyone to, to they should do this or that, or anyone to tell you you should do this or that. You are the master of your own pace. Your own, uh, if you need change, you will feel it. And it's okay. There will be you know, these voices of fear or outside voices telling you you shouldn't do this or you should be played safe and all these things. And you just have to... Learn to listen and trust yourself. And once you get going with that, that inner trust, then you're just without doubt. When you're questioning your decisions, when you second guess yourself, you, you know you're in your headspace. You're not really listening to your inner voice, you're listening to outside voices. And, and that's where all the, the, this kind of disorientation comes from. Yeah. Good way to put it. I can think about it that way. No, it's time to quiet it down and yeah, just go with it and let it be. With this book, I know that you've just released it um, at the end of last month. Yeah, it hasn't even been a, a yeah, about a, a month. Yeah, a month. That wonderful. Congratulations! A lot of the topics we brought up today is actually from the book. I'm actually excited. So, where can we find this book? Is it on Amazon or? Uh, it's 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 on Amazon. It's on 
on Apple Books, it's uh, it's going to be on Google Play in a few days. Uh, on my website, obviously, buy all the the paperback, Kindle, uh, Amazon, obviously, uh, just an ebook, e- all the different e readers that you have. So it's it's pretty much in every format. Uh, I'm working on the audio version, audiobook version next. Some people love love to drive and listen. Or, this is one of the things I learned, you know, teaching for so many years. It's is everyone learns differently. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you cannot blanket, there's no blanket approach. So I'll try to, you know, get as much out there. And a lot of people just jump into chapters. They don't read whole entire books. You know, it's just not uh, their style, their learning style, or, or not their way of life. Lifestyle plays a role as well. Yeah. So uh, again, the book is written in such a way that you can just jump, you can skip the first half if you want, just jump into a later chapter because that's what's on your mind right now. And that's what you're needing to, to reflect on. And uh, it won't diminish your experience of the book. That's amazing. Because, yeah, I've been, you know, following your Instagram and I see some quotes out of it. Like, man, I need to get my hands on this soon. <laughs> but that's been awesome. So are you going to just focus on writing now or are you still, like, uh, working in the psychological um, research side of things right now? So uh, really the, the next focus, depending on whether in-person and travel and all that opens up again, uh, in the meantime, uh, virtual workshops, uh, is going to be the focus and and uh, tools and also working on a, a practice journal. There are some practical uh, chapters in the book, uh, but it's more of a foundation. And then from there, you can you know extract different different exercises. And I'm, so I'm working on that. And then obviously, uh, once in person is possible again, the, the live workshops. I, I enjoy the most. And I think that's also where uh, the exchange of energy and, and and all that is 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 possible. And and you can just have, have a great time at it as well. For sure, for sure. Like I'll probably pop down for a workshop or something. Yeah. <laughs> and well, see what it's like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, lar- a large contingent. About half of um, you know my followers are, are from Australia and, and India and Indonesia and, mm-hmm. and the Asian, Asian part of the world. And so uh, I, I and I love going there and spending time there as well. So definitely going to uh, try to cater to all the different time zones. That's amazing, though. Well, um, okay, I had a really funny thought. Well, have you seen Chucky e. Chan, uh, the Rush Hour 3? Uh, I mean, I probably saw it at some point. Yeah, that's funny. But, yes, I, I've seen some Jackie Chan movies. Well, do you know the part where I think Chris Rock is just, oh, who are you? No, I am you. And then he's like, who is me? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I thought about it because your book, Be You, like we don't want that confusion. We don't want to be anybody else but ourselves. You know, me, you, anybody, we just want to be, you just want to be you, you know. So I guess maybe to end up this conversation, what kind of advice or wisdom would you like to bestow on our listeners in terms of, you know, being true to yourself? You know, we don't want any more of that confusion and stuff sometimes. I know it's hard, but what is your wisdom and your teachings for our listeners? So there's two things really to to keep in mind, and, and that is when you're experiencing fear, uh, you know you're not being yourself. You can't be yourself out of a state of fear. Then, then you're you're listening to outside voices. You're you're in the future uh, or even in the past, and that's a state that is not being you. So always be mindful. Those are those are very clear signs. Uh, having a practice in place, make sure a daily practice. Make sure that you uh, you become more attuned to those signs and signals, and, and be able to oh I'm you know feeling a certain way. I'm going to go and and uh, be still for a while or, or go for that walk. It doesn't take much and stay grounded that way. So and then the, the second piece is the uh, recognizing that it just takes these little moments of, uh, of these little opportunities 
of making decisions every day. It could be when you get up in the morning to get dressed, right? Uh, to go to work is, are you dressing for yourself or are you dressing for the image that you want to portray or the way you're going to be viewed? These little ordinary things all day long, they, they, they help build momentum, the BU momentum, if you will. So these are not these big decisions, life-altering decisions that you're you know, looking to make. They, they might happen, but ultimately being you is a moment-to-moment awareness of staying connected, staying out of your head and staying connected to your body and your being and your inner voice and letting that guide you. And if you just do it in a few things, little things here and there, it starts to grow and that uh, it, it shows immediate results, positive results. And you, you realize you, there is nothing to fear. There's no, you know, you cannot fail and, and you, you, you don't have to figure out your, your life ahead of living it. Your path is sure to unfold itself all on its own. Wow, that was beautiful. I feel so enlightened. <laughs> no, that's a really great reminder. And that's the thing, like, I sometimes forget as well. You know, I fall back into the fear zone. And then when you hear messages and, you know, conversations like this, again, it brings you back, you know, to your, your good, your higher self again, you know, that in a, the outer voice just kind of like dissolves. So yeah. thank you so much. Like um, I need to get my hands on this book straight away, guys. So remember to find it on send you, yes. <laughs> or send me a copy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Chris. Like it's been so informative and so enlightening to speak to you finally. And I, I was just like, I love your energy and I love your teachings as well. I've tuned in for you know a couple of live sessions you've done. So it has really helped me through 2020. So um, yeah, and I want to spread the message along as well to other people. Wonderful. Thank you so much for reaching out. I know it took a while. I was, you know, I was still in the middle of finalizing the writings and it's got a hold of me again. And, and, uh, and here we are. We did it. Yes, did it. <laughs> I had some technical difficulties, but it's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Wonderful. Thank you, Noam. Talk to you soon. We'll do it again. Okay, so that concludes another trip. I hope you guys have had such a great time. Remember to hit that like and subscribe button for updates and regular episodes. And follow me on Limitless Callings for visual content on Instagram. You can also email me on limitlesscallings at gmail.com if you would like to ask any questions. And with much love and appreciation, as always, from your big, strong Aussie girl, Nyung. Until next time.